Good morning. Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then you do, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will, let, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The word of God for the people of God. So let's begin today with an old preacher joke. A sea captain was sailing through the South Pacific when he spotted something off on the horizon. He saw smoke rising up from what was supposed to be a deserted island. And so he told his crew to steer the ship a little closer. As they got closer to the island, they saw the most amazing thing. They saw a little collection of huts, almost like a tiny village, three little huts down by the water's edge. And as they got closer still, they could see a man standing in front of the huts, and the man was jumping up and down, and he was waving his arms in the air. And so the captain got into a landing boat, and he rowed ashore. And when he set foot on the beach, the man threw his arms around the captain's neck and started telling the captain his story. He said, oh, thank goodness you're here. He said, I have spent the last 15 years shipwrecked, all alone, all by myself on this island. Well, the sea captain could hardly believe the man's story. He said, really, you've been here for 15 years all alone, all by yourself? If you've been here all by yourself for 15 years, then what are all of these little huts doing here? Who lives in these huts? And the man said, oh, let me take you on a tour. Let me show you what I've built. And so the man took the captain to the first hut, and he said, this is my home. This, this is where I live. And then he took the captain to the second hut, and he said, this is my church, this is where I worship. He said, I'm a, I'm a very religious man. He says, my faith is what has carried me through this, this terrible ordeal. The captain couldn't believe the hours and the craftsmanship that had gone into, into building the home and building the tiny church. And the captain, he looked at the man, and he said, what about that hut over there? And he pointed to the third hut. And the man, he frowned, and he said, oh, that one. He said, well, that... That is where I used to go to church. <laughs> Don't judge me. I love that joke. I do. I always have. I always have loved that joke, even though it hits a little bit close to home. Maybe I love that joke because it hits a little bit close to home, right? The, the message of the joke, the lesson, the point of the story is not, not hard to understand, right? The lesson, the point of the story, very simply is this. Sometimes religious people can be downright disagreeable. 
And sometimes the more religious we get, the more disagreeable we can be. Sometimes churches that are supposed to be places of peace and grace can turn into places of criticism and conflict. Sometimes even in the smallest churches, sometimes even in churches that only have one member, people disagree about things and they get angry with each other and they step on each other's toes and then all of a sudden somebody is walking out the door and looking for a new place to worship. Sometimes religious people can be downright disagreeable. Jesus knew that, and that's why Jesus gave us this story. So in this morning's gospel reading, we have a, a parable, a story that Jesus told to his disciples one day. The story goes like this. Jesus says, once there was a, a farmer, and the farmer had an enemy, and one day the farmer's servants came in from the field, and the servants were panicked, and they were tearing their hair out, and they said, Master, Master, the most terrible thing has happened. We were just out checking the fields, and we discovered that, that the fields are filled with weeds. Everywhere we look, there are weeds and weeds and weeds. We don't understand how this possibly could have happened. We're certain that we only scattered good seed in your field. We don't know where all of these weeds could have come from. Well, of course, the farmer knew exactly what had happened. He knew where the weeds had come from. Back in Jesus' day, farming was a, a cutthroat business. And sometimes when one farmer wanted to get a leg up on the other farmer, he would do this sneaky thing where he would sneak into the farmer's field at night and he would scatter seeds to plant weeds all around the fields. It wasn't hard to do. Back in Jesus' day, people didn't plant seeds with, with tractors or fancy equipment. They would just turn over the earth and then the farmer would walk through the field scattering handfuls of seeds everywhere, everywhere that he went. And so it was easy. It was easy for an enemy to come late at night when everyone was asleep sleep and scatter weeds on top of all of those good seeds. It would have been almost impossible for anybody to notice that the enemy had even been there. And we even know what kind of weeds farmers like to use when they were sabotaging each other in, in that way. There's a type of, of weed, a type of grass called darnel. And darnel has this, this interesting characteristic in that it looks exactly like wheat for the first several stages of its growth. When it springs up out of the ground as it's growing up to about a, a meter tall, darnel looks in the first few stages of its growth almost exactly identical to wheat. It's almost impossible to tell the two plants apart, but darnel is different from wheat in one very important way. There's a type of fungus that grows on darnel seeds that is poisonous to human beings. If you eat a little bit of darnel fungus, you'll, you'll, you'll act drunk and you'll lose your balance and your ability to speak. If you eat a little bit more, you might have seizures and people would think that you were possibly even having a stroke. Too much of this fungus might kill you altogether. This is what the, the servants found one day when they walked out into the fields. Everywhere they looked, they saw this darnel mixed in, mixed in with the wheat. And so they ran back to the farmer and they said, Master, Master, what, what are we supposed to do? Do you want us to get out there with the weed whackers? Do you want us to go out with the flamethrowers and, and get rid of all, of all of these weeds? And of course, the farmer knew that this is exactly what the enemy wanted. This is exactly what the enemy was hoping the farmer would do. The enemy was hoping that the farmer would panic and get angry and that he would overreact and that he would try to pull all of the weeds out of those fields. Because you see, the weeds and the wheat have been growing up next to each other for weeks now. Their stems were intertwined. Their leaves were woven in together so that even if the farmer had sent the, the servants out into the field with tweezers, every time they pulled up a weed, they would have also pulled up a, a stalk of good wheat. The farmer knew this was what the enemy was hoping for, and the farmer 
never knew exactly the only thing that you could do in a situation like this. So he said to his servants, he said, don't go out pulling the weeds. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let the weeds and the wheat grow up together. I want you to keep doing your job. Water the weeds and the wheat together. Keep feeding and fertilizing the weeds and the wheat together. Let it all grow up together. And then when the harvest times come, when the reapers go out into the fields and bring in all of the plants together, that's when it will be easy for us to separate the weeds without destroying the wheat. The farmer says, what I need you to do is to be patient and trust that I know what I am doing. And just like the joke, it's not, not hard to understand the point of Jesus' story. You know, some of the parables of Jesus are confusing and frustrating and difficult to understand, but, but not this one. It's clear what Jesus is telling his disciples when he tells them this story. Jesus knew that there would be moments when we would look around the church on a Sunday morning and we would think to ourselves, where on earth did all of these weeds come from? Jesus knew that there would be moments when we would be sitting in the pews on Sunday morning and we would look across the sanctuary and we would see somebody and we'd think, I can't believe that she has the gall to show her face here on Sunday morning because I know whose pickup truck was parked in front of her house on Friday night and I know that it was there still on Saturday morning because I drove by to check. And Jesus knew that there would be moments when we sat in the pews on Sunday morning and we looked across the church and we said, I don't know why that guy keeps coming here. I saw the lawn sign in front of his house during the last election cycle and I don't understand why he doesn't just go and find a church where people think that way and vote that way. Why does he keep coming here? Jesus knew that there would be moments when we would get into arguments with each other in Sunday school and we would look at each other and say, I can't believe the things that you believe. It's It's almost as if we're not even reading the same Bible. Jesus knew that there would be moments when we would look around the church and think, you know, all of this, all of this church stuff would be so much easier if we just got rid of a few of these people. Jesus knew, Jesus knew that there would be moments when we would be tempted to weed the pews. And in those moments, this is the advice, this is the wisdom, this is the commandment that Jesus gives to us. Remember that it is not your job to go weeding the pews. Your job is to bear patiently with one another in love. Your job is to bear patiently with one another in kindness. Your job is to bear patiently with one another in peaceableness and trust that God knows what God is doing. This is the command that Jesus gives us, and it is not, it is not an easy command to follow. The story is easy to understand, but this parable is so very difficult to live out. If you want to know how difficult it is to live out this parable, all you've got to do is take a look at the current state of the United Methodist Church. And we're living in a moment when the denomination that we belong to seems to be headed for a time of division. We're living at a moment in the life of the church when one half of the church has looked at the other half of the church and said, you know, this would be a lot easier if you weren't here. And the other half has looked back at the first half of the church and said, you know what, I think that you're probably right. And it's becoming increasingly clear that in this moment of division in our society, this moment of division in the nation that we live in, in this moment when so many people are self-selecting and self-segregating, in this moment when so many people are less and less likely to spend any time or have any relationships with people who don't think the way they do, vote the way they do, dress the way they do, speak the way they do, live the way they do, in this moment of division, it is becoming more and more apparent that if the world is going to see that 
that there is a better way. If the world is going to discover that there is a better way, it won't be denominations showing that world the better way. It's going to have to be congregations leading the way. If the world is going to see a better way, it's going to have to happen here at places like Court Street United Methodist Church, places where we've been growing up beside each other. Why, why does it happen in congregations and not denominations? Because we've been sitting in the pews together for so long that our stems and our leaves are intertwined, and we can't imagine the pain of being separated from one another. And again, it's easy, it's easy to say it's got to happen here in the pews here at Court Street United Methodist Church, but it is so hard to live out this teaching of Jesus. It is so hard to bear with one another patiently. Sometimes it's hard to make peace in the church because religious people can sometimes be so downright disagreeable. How do we do it? How do we lead the way? How do we give the world hope? How do we show the world what peace looks like? This morning, I want to share with you a little bit about how I am trying to make a little bit of peace in my own heart and my own life in this moment of division, in this moment of brokenness in our church and in our society. One of the ways in which I'm making peace right now, even just a little bit of peace, is by being careful about the way in which I talk about people and the way in which I talk about the church. In this divided and broken moment, I'm guarding my heart by guarding the words that come out of my mouth. One of the things that we sometimes miss is that the Bible has an awful lot to say about the words that come out of our mouth. Jesus has a lot to say about the way in which we talk about people. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus looked at the crowds and he looked at his disciples and he said, You have heard that it was said, You shall not murder. But I say to you, if anyone is angry with a brother or sister... If anyone insults a brother or sister, if anyone calls a brother or sister a fool, that person has committed a sin that is equal to the sin of murder. If anyone calls a brother or sister, you fool, that person has committed a sin that is equal in seriousness to the sin of murder. I don't know about you, but I am tempted at least a dozen times a day to say to somebody, you fool, what were you thinking? How could you possibly think that way? I suspect that you probably are too if you pay attention to politics, if you spend any time on social media, if you're one of the few people who actually pays attention to the road while you're driving on I-75, then you, then you are tempted at least a dozen times a day to look through your windshield and say to somebody, you fool. And Jesus says to us, even if that person can't hear you, you have committed a sin in that moment that is equal to the sin of murder. It is amazing to me how many Christians so easily give into this temptation to insult people and call people fools. So many followers of Jesus who would never dream of letting a certain four-letter word that begins with the letter F ever pass through their lips are so comfortable, so comfortable saying this other four-letter word that begins with the letter F that Jesus specifically warned us about. The moment we start insulting people, the moment we start calling people fools, even if we only call them fools in our hearts, we begin to harden our hearts and then it is only a matter of time before we start weeding people out of our lives and out of our churches and out of our communities. And so these days, one of the things I'm doing, and it is not easy these days, is trying not to call people fools or other names, even when I'm all alone in my car. That's one of the ways in which I'm making peace right now. I'm also being careful about how I talk about the church. I spend a lot of time talking about the church. 
I brag about Court Street United Methodist Church just about everywhere I go. When I talk to other pastors, I brag about the ministries of the church. When I'm out in the community, I brag about the spirit and the people of the church. If you were to listen to all the conversations I have in a week, you would discover that I have a deep love for the people and the spirit and the ministries of Court Street United Methodist Church. There's something else that you would discover if you listen to those conversations. You would discover that there is something I never say, I never, in all of those conversations about Court Street United Methodist Church, I never say, I never use the words, my church. I never say to people, let me tell you what happened in my church. I never say to people, let me tell you what's going on in my church. As a matter of fact, I try not to even say the words, our church. Because the moment that we say, my church, the moment that we say, our church, in our hearts, we have stolen something that rightfully only belongs to God. This is not my church. This is not our church. This is the house of God. And when we look across the pews at people and we wonder, why is this person here? Who invited that guy? The answer is always the same. God invited that guy. That person is here because God called that person and it pleases God that that person should be here. And our job is not to sort out the wheat from the weeds. Our job is not to tell people to go find somewhere else to worship. Our job is not to show people the door on the way out. Our job is to open the door so that God's children can come in. Our job is to bear patiently with one another in love and peace and kindness. Our job is to keep on watering the fields and trust that God knows what God is doing. Let's pray. God, we pray. We pray that you would give us patience that we could bear with one another even, even when we're the ones who are being disagreeable. God, we pray that when the world looks around for hope, when the people of this world ask themselves, is it possible for us to live in peace even when we don't see eye to eye? God, we pray that they would look to Court Street United Methodist Church and they would see that this is what peace looks like that it's possible for us to have affection one another in the, for one another in the midst of disagreement, that there is a better way, and that by your grace we can walk in it. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.